Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland today. It's Friday morning, the 28th of October. Can you believe it? We're nearly in November. A very good morning to everybody listening to us across the network through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR in Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4GC Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network. A very good morning to you. Today, we have a huge show for you. Robbie Catter will join us. We're going to catch up with Susan McDonald as well. Brett Nobbs will check in and we'll catch up with Consolidated Pastoral CEO, uh, Troy Setter. Uh, so much going on in the livestock industry as well and uh, one that I would think that would be a very, very handy uh, chat today. Obviously, uh, the fallout from the budget has continued as we march to the weekend. There's no Warwick Gold Cup, but there's a Warwick Rodeo on this weekend and that obviously um, is to try and fill that gap as the camp draft has been postponed. We will keep you updated on where that is. Let's get into it. Susan on a Friday. That's a regular. She joins us next. This is Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today. Friday means Susan McDonald. Senator Susan McDonald joining us this morning. Senator, good morning. As a female senator in um, Parliament, um, you obviously are respected as an equal. But yesterday for Michelle Landry, I obviously thought the Prime Minister... It was barbaric, it was outdated, it was misogynist, pointing the finger and attacking, not cool at all. No, not cool, Ben, and I guess it's a reflection of the fact that the Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, has been in Parliament for, you know, I don't know, 30-odd years maybe, sorry, not 30, 20-odd years. I mean, he, he probably doesn't know that the world has changed. He keeps talking about a kinder, gentler Parliament. But I have had a gutful of question times of this kind of um, ranting. And yesterday, the Prime Minister, he says he was talking to Peter Dutton, but if you're looking at somebody, you're shouting at them, you're pointing your finger, you're standing over them, and you're roaring away red in the face, uh, it doesn't matter who, who else you might think you're talking to. The person at the end of that who's receiving that, they're the ones who... Um, you know, and yesterday it was Michelle Landry. Now, Michelle Landry is a pretty tough woman. She's used to the CFMEU going after her in Capricornia, after her, after her family. And yesterday she asked a very reasonable question about the Rockhampton Ring Road. Uh, she was going in and asking questions about her patch. Anyway, she got this, this you know, I thought disproportionate, disgusting, yeah, disgusting. ridiculous. Yes, exactly. And you know, if I behaved like that in my business, I'd be called out. Albo did ring her after after question time and said he was sorry if her feelings were hurt. Well, can you imagine going to fair work and having to say that these days? That is not good enough. He needs to change his behaviour. Um, and the mean girl squad behind him needs to stop it as well. They were backing him in, laughing and enjoying Michelle's not only discomfort, but finally distress. Yeah, you just, know, just I, a disgusting, I won't put up yeah, for it. Yeah, no, no, well yeah. said, Susan. Uh, on the fact that the ring road isn't there, you can throw in Hell's Gate, you can throw in the water scheme in Hewitt and regional Queensland, regional Australia, absolutely gutted by a government that does not, does not understand the bush and where their money comes from. That's the point, Ben. It's, you know, we're not talking about um, things that are nice to have for regional Australia and Australia. We're talking about the things that pay the bills in years to come. Um, now, water projects in the north of Australia are few and far between. And, uh, and so it is critically important that we start building more dams to manage our, uh, our rainfall, to allow us to secure, have water security for more agricultural projects, 
within Townsville, the Hellsgate Dam was also going to provide um, pumped hydro power. Uh, we're pouring money into a hydrogen hub in Townsville, but it needs water. And if you don't build a dam, I hope they're not going to take it from households or from other agricultural purposes. So, you know, the, the, the budget cut, uh, and, and I just I need to be clear, income receipts for Australia went up by $50 billion on the back of, commo- of the commodity boom. And Labor, to keep telling us about how tough things are and how they're trying to make fiscal repairs, did they put it in the bank? Did they um, try and put it towards other income-producing assets? No, they spent the lot. They spent more than the previous coalition government budget, and they've spent it on um, things like a, a big rail loop in Melbourne to shore up Dan Andrews. They've ripped it out of northern Australia. Um, they've ripped it out of critical minerals funding uh, at a time when, you know, critical minerals are very important to the nation. Uh, they've ripped it out of gas exploration and development at a time when we're trying to push down gas prices. And they've put more rebates onto childcare places. Now, I'm not having a go at people wanting childcare places. That is a good thing. But the rebates under the coalition went up to 350-odd thousand. As a couple, if you earn that much, you got a rebate. Now, they've pushed it up to $500,000. You can get a rebate. You'll get another 22000 if you're um, on about three hundred and sixty. dollars uh, But they've not put $1 towards new childcare places. So once again, in the regions, no childcare places, billions of dollars being spent on something that doesn't support and advance the places and the people who grow the food and fibre, who mine the minerals and who, you know, really are the backbone of the country. So it's it's a frustrating one, Ben, because they keep talking about a trillion dollars of debt. That is a lie. There is not a trillion dollars of debt. I, I don't know how we, how as an opposition, we do a better job of saying to, you know, the government, you've just got to be, you've got to be more honest rather than, you know, they're continuing to say that everything that goes wrong is the opposition's fault. They're trying to do the best they can, but they're not because every step they take, they say one thing, like we support more gas, but then they put more money into the Environmental Defender's Office. They don't um, change the NOPSEMA regulations to allow better transparency and clarity for approvals processes. So this is, like Queensland Labor, not a plan to grow Australia, just a plan to transition off coal yep. and Australians will pay the price. Well, cost of living's got to go up, Senator, and that's the scary thing. The, the cost well, of living is. now is just out of control. It is. We know that uh, every Australian family is going to have an additional $2,000 each household by Christmas time in increased food costs, electricity costs, you know, just living their day-to-day lives. That's been... Uh, that's been measured by economists, and that is the number. That is a minimum increase. Now, we've got a lot of well-paid jobs in the regions out of resources because of the workforce shortage. But it's not right that it goes back into paying bills that we could be managing with different policy settings. But anyway, Ben, uh, this is the government that we elected. There's no point uh, howling at the moon. We've just got to try and get in and continually point out that there are different ways to do things, there are better ways to do things. That means regional Australia, we need our road funding reinstalled, 
we need uh, water funding reinstated and we need to continue investing in the people and the places that provide food security, that provide the coal and oil and gas and the critical minerals uh, that this nation needs to pay the bills and allows us to have the first world lifestyle that we we enjoy in this country. You're dead right. You're dead right. Um, Look, great to chat. Um, I understand it's busy and it's estimates again today. It's been a tough week for the opposition. Uh, I know David's made himself available and yourself. Have a good weekend and we'll talk to you again next week. But there was obviously um, some real concern away where this government is heading and, and their lack of understanding of what the bush actually needs. Appreciate your time. Thanks very much, Ben. Have a great weekend. Same to you. Senator Susan McDonald. will take a break, come back with more. Uh, Brett Nobbs not far away. Troy Setter and also Robbie Catter on this Friday morning, the 28th of October. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. Uh, Consolidated Pastoral Company CEO Troy Setter joins us this morning. And um, at BeefX, he made it very, very clear that we need to be ready and aware um, if foot and mouth and lumpy skin disease uh, turns up because it will wait for nothing. And we need to be very prepared and obviously aware and not take the foot off the throat in our protocols and how we are looking at this. Troy, good morning. Thanks so much for being with us. It's been a... A phenomenal year in a lot of ways for you guys, but gee whiz, it's had some stresses um, with obviously your feedlots overseas in Indonesia and and trying to manage this operation, knowing full well that your supply chain has been compromised. Yeah, good morning, Dobbo. It's yeah, it's been certainly a tough year. We we kicked off with COVID in Indonesia still being in full strength, and then then got smashed by <clears throat> or the country got hit with with uh, reports of lumpy skin, and it's a horrible disease, and then. And then hit with uh, yeah, the report of, uh, of foot and mouth, which again is another horrible disease. And we've been able to keep it out of both our businesses, but uh, plenty of people haven't. It's uh, it's it's a huge concern for for Indonesia, but also the world, and and it's a wake up call for Australia. When I spoke to you about it earlier on in the year on this show, and correct me if I'm wrong, you had really strict protocols about who came onto onto your farms. Like it was that was the big thing. It was all about that. Did you have to vaccinate as well? Yeah, we're we're now vaccinating yeah for for foot and mouth and for for lumpy skin, yep. and um but yeah for for months you know we couldn't get access to vaccines and that was uh, that was a, a real challenge. But we still got to have the high level of biosecurity once you are vaccinating. So how does that affect you guys on the world market? I understand the laws that if you vaccinate, you can't export to to countries because you are deemed with foot and mouth. It's a, it's a barbaric law and it's not exactly makes a lot of sense but is all that meat from that feedlot going into that indonesian market at the moment yeah everything we produce goes domestically um there's this small amounts of meat go from indonesia um offshore but you know country of 270 plus million people yeah and a cattle herd you know about the third the size of the australian herd um they're a net importer of beef on, on a pretty big scale and so they don't export but what it's done is it's it's taken away their aspiration to export Indonesia. It's certainly, you know, been encouraging companies to invest and, and wanting to grow their herd. This has really knocked around their aspirations to be an exporter of, of not just beef but other other animal proteins and foods around the world. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, and I'm asking these questions without any knowledge. I, I understand that if you vaccinate here in Australia, you lose your licence. But because all your cattle are going to Indonesia, can you? get ahead of the game and vaccinate here in Australia? No, the, neither vaccine is allowed into Australia unless it goes in for for really uh, controlled research in the research facility down in Victoria. But if, if we had 
any vaccine in Australia used or not used, then we lose our um, our global rating of being free without vaccination. So there's three ratings. There's free without vaccination, free with vaccination, and then effectively you're infected with uh, with the disease. And uh, even if you don't have it, but you have the vaccine in the country or you proactively vaccinate, you lose market access to a lot of countries because they simply don't trust you that why would you be vaccinating if you don't have it? So it's you're right, you said at the start, it's barbaric. Um, it's uh, it's pretty discriminatory for, for a lot of uh, a lot of markets, but Australia has played that that position very strongly over many years, particularly towards Brazil, um, when Brazil was uh, was getting free of foot and mouth disease and free with uh, vaccination. That we we used that as a block to stop them getting access to other markets, and uh, we need to be aware of that now as we uh, think about how we would prevent and control the diseases in Australia. Can I ask you? You, you, you've seen this firsthand. How difficult was it to keep it out of your feed yards? It was really difficult. The foot and mouth and lumpy skin don't wait for you to get ready. You can't see them in their incubation phase. Um, they're both microscopic. Um, lumpy skin spread by insects and by animals and, and, and soil. And, and so, and foot and mouth is spread by you know, a variety of ways. And, and it, it, they can both blow kilometers um, in. So, we had uh, yeah, super strict uh, cleanliness, um, you know, things like triple washing trucks, all people having to be cleaned and washed and changed clothes and, and things because it just can come in in any way. And then absolute ruthlessness on no visitors um, and having full traceability of anyone that, that visited the, the feedlots. And, um, and, you know, and now we're vaccinated. That, that's great. That's a good prevention, but you've got up to 30 days before the vaccine kicks in, probably about five to 10 days, but you've still got a window there where animals are vaccinated but don't have immunity that you have to be super careful. Yeah, and that's the thing, isn't it? You have to be super careful. And there would have been some pushback at times by people wanting to come into the feed yard, like, and you would have had some conflict. Absolutely. We had neighbours who who would uh, you know, use our roads and come through the feedlot and, and to get to their farm and cut 20 and 30 kilometres off their journey to take product to market or take the kids to school. And you know, we had to have very difficult conversations with them that they now have to drive around. We've contributed and built some roads for them and helped government with roads, but yeah, there's some difficult conversations with things like that and, and even just you know, little things like staff you know at lunchtime wanting to go out of the feedlot and pick up lunch or you know go and uh, you know see, see family for a minute or whatever you, you you change all those things and you effectively build a fortress and put a bubble over the top but but we sat down with our team and said there's 600 of you work here this is all about your jobs um the flow on from our business in indonesia is about twelve and a half thousand families that rely on us and when we explained to our team and stakeholders that that's why we were taking biosecurity so seriously, it wasn't about profit. It was about the jobs of the 600 and the 12,500 that all of the team just took it so seriously and just got engaged. And, and that was uh, that was excellent and really, really proud moment with them. Yeah, uh, that's an awesome, awesome place to be. Hey, I really appreciate your time this morning, Troy. I just wonder whether or not Murray Water or any of the – ag department or anybody has come and sought your advice because i mean you guys have lived it and you've won and i don't say that lightly i you know in the sense that you've you would have learned a lot more as well throughout this process it would be interesting yeah. if, if biosecurity australia and, and the ag department actually had that conversation with you so they can learn a bit off you 
Yeah, that they have. I'd I'd talk to Murray Watt every you know, second week or so. He came over to Indonesia and we spent a bit of time going through what was happening, and, and so he's been very engaged. And then Chris Parker and his team, who head up the uh, Australia's protection and fight on foot and mouth and lumpy skin, I'd, I'd talk to Chris every couple of days. So no, we're we're well engaged and and share information and statistics. You know. Yeah, every second day. So no, they've been they've been excellent. Yeah, phenomenal. Really appreciate your time, mate. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. Um, we really appreciate what you've done, and it's a great news story uh, for Consolidated Pastoral as well. Um, just been a phenomenal, phenomenal year in that sense. But gee, which it's been tough. Appreciate your time. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, Dobbo. Cheers, Troy Setter. We'll take a break. Come back with more. This is Rural Queensland today. Let's continue with just the absolute diabolical budget that was delivered. Ripping the heart out of rural and regional Queensland. Hell's Gate, gone. Hewitt and Water Scheme, gone. The Ring Road in Rockhampton, gone. They continue and continue to forget about the people that have propped them up for years. Robbie Catter joins us this morning. Bewilderment, hurt, anger, they'd be words that I would have thought, Rob, that you would have had and felt when you saw that budget delivered and handed down on Tuesday night. Yeah, Dobbo, I probably... um I probably had my wildest night in Parliament uh, to memory last night as I thought I'd um, let the rest of the buggers know down in Parliament what my feelings were. And, you know, I guess and I, what that means, Dobbo, is water means the future for us. In in Western Queensland, water is the future. That's, that's a pathway for us to have prosperity and build on our production. And it's not for everyone farming, but it will play a role in, in um, and and not even just in sense of farming, but just um, uh, the future of of the west, and particularly in those catchments, those big river systems, and to have it shut down. And it's not even just at the federal level, mate, because you go to the water department here in Queensland, they will find a way to kill your projects. So yeah, on the back of that budget, um, it, we let loose uh, last night, and um, and that's I think really just reflecting the feeling in all western Queensland is. If you don't give us the right to keep developing and um, and building our way uh, into the future, then um, there is no hope, and and um, that's when yeah, I mean that, that, that's what we're paid in politics is to fight and get ugly. So um, uh, do you think Anna? Do you think Anna listened? I mean, she's been dotted as well. I know she's got it, but these are the big promises that they made. I mean, the people of Hewitt, and that's where I, 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 Hewitt is a real issue for me and Hellsgate, both areas of yeah. your. I mean, and I've got to say this now. I don't want to talk federally. Your dad would be devastated. Yeah, he would be, mate. Um, you know, he's he's just put everything on the line and and you know put, used so much leverage to get projects up. Um, and I've I can literally remember being a kid in the halls in um, Hewenden as a kid talking about building water water storage to activating that Black Soil Plains. There's about twenty four million hectares of black soil plains there and um, I'm not saying all of that could be irrigated but you know it's a massive river system that goes through there and all this Dobbo we're all squabbling at the moment on the Flinders River if you're just talking about the Flinders River where there's no land clearing hardly any leveling even there it's all cleared level open black soil plains and we're only talking we're squabbling over eight um, percent of the average annual flow in that river system they let you take 20 or 30 percent um, most rivers around Australia without him blinking an eye. And we're here squabbling over 8%. And there, or you could have projects at Richmond, 
um, downstream towards Normanton and Hewland and everywhere if you're allowed to take what everyone else is allowed to take around the country. But uh, mate, they, these days, uh, the government seem intent on just blocking stuff up. Uh, they'll give you money and they'll let you announce it, um, but they'll just block it up to try and kill it. I've got to, I've got to be honest, mate. You won't hear me often say it, but the Premier did give uh, a bit of a reverse today in Parliament and to my question. Um, and um, and um, I should say yesterday in Parliament that uh, was saying that we support that project going forward and they will be working to deliver it. But, you know, I still come back and say words are cheap. And um, I've been sold many words and I've seen... Many politicians in government, out of government, in opposition, all been given words of assurance. And um, but you've got to keep fighting for the next couple of years, mate. It might be yeah. next five or ten years till you actually get the outcome. So, uh, yep. Um, well, the disappointing the is the, yeah, the, yeah, Hewitton might be, but Charters Towers is gone. It's done. Oh, mate, look, I think you you wouldn't criticise anyone for saying they're all gone. Um, you wouldn't criticise. I've got to live in hope as a politician and try and try and still um, provide some outcome and keep trying. But, um, yeah, for the, any outside observer, you'd be fair to say they're all gone. Right? And um, until we, you know, I think the best solution is ripping these departments out of the city, uh, like the water department, and putting them up in towns or Cairns or Rockhampton, make a move up there, which none of them will, and get some people in there to do the job and and, um, and hopefully want to try and be doers, not, you know, blockers and uh, until you have a government that stands up to bureaucrats, we're all wasting our time, and they're all just words. So the budget, the budget's just um, full of a lot of words and numbers that mean nothing. And trying to build things on the ground uh, to help rural Queensland, yeah, look, it, it, it all it all just sort of evaporates uh, as meaningless words, mate. Um, look, what I would say is that you know we've got Josie Angus on the show a bit later. She had seven mm. years of consultation with the Department of Agriculture and the Labor government, about what they needed to do to try and get their avatar to, to have an export licence. They build mm. it, they grow it, they create jobs. What's happened now? They can't get an export licence. Now, these are the railroads and the roadblocks that is coming from different departments mm. that you talk about that is affecting everybody in every instance. Yet, we, 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 we spoke earlier, to the, to, like in the, earlier on this week, to Dr Merlo about the rural doctors, can't get them there. They're going to give funding for that. We have seen this go on and mm. on and on and on. And to be honest with you, Rob, I'm sick of it. I understand the fight you guys are doing. I don't understand mm. how you guys continue to put up with this. And everybody can say, well, we've got two years till today that we can vote with our hands. That's fine. Mm. But this government is hell-bent on taking the regions, taking out the regions. I, I mean – is there a – I mean, and I don't want – you talk about a divide, and, and I mean this, you talk about yeah. isolating yourself. Well, I mean, that's where it could get to. That's the severity of what's happening now. The Queensland say, well, you know what, we're going on on our own. We're going to do it yeah. on our own. Perhaps that is the answer, but um, I I do think there's, you know, another pragmatic political solution is trying to wipe out these departments. And um, and I think the most effective way is, that is to um, reposition them. So – you move the water department out of Brisbane, move to towns, or you know, a lot of people working there now aren't going to move, and um, you can fill it with people that will. Is um, yeah, mate. I, I, you can change governments, but you, most of them still inherit the same departments, and um, you know, it, it and it happened here in Queensland. We still had a lot of um, a lot of these people blocking their stuff up 
when we got the LNP in Queensland. So it's it's it goes even deeper than just even changing the government. It um you've, you've got to look at how you can work these departments as well. So um it is you do feel like um you know me as a politician now uh, 11, 10, 11 years now in the job you 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 start to think am I crazy still keeping it this? But the same thing at the same time, mate. You're still seeing what can be. When you see the world as it as it could be, you know, ten thousand hectares of irrigation in in um, in Hewenden, and you know, two and a half thousand uh, jobs created, and um, uh, and you know, it's the most advanced irrigation scheme we've got in Queensland, in Australia now, the most advanced irrigation scheme in Australia, and um, you know, that's that would just be something beautiful to create for the country, and uh, Hell's Gate, um, Big Rocks Weir, and Charters Towers. If we can do those things, um, you know, we. We fulfill, start to fulfill our potential, and and right. that's the thing that gets you. That's the thing that gets us out of bed, mate. And keep fighting these bureaucrats and these governments, and um, you know, far beyond just a budget, a federal budget. These fights will keep going on, and um, yeah, I'm not sure the best way to change it. I've got some ideas and how it could, but um, but I definitely know we need some uh, strong voices to uh, to keep to keep fighting mate so I appreciate the opportunity and I appreciate what you do on that front Good on you mate, appreciate your time, thanks so much for being with us this morning Thanks buddy. Good on you, we'll take a break, come back This is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network To Rural Queensland Today Friday morning the 28th of October, this bloke's finally had a little bit of room to breathe after a really impressive sale on Tuesday, Brett Nobbs from Nobbs Cattle Company joins us this morning Brett, good morning, Um, firstly congratulations um, you've proven yet again what a significant player you are in the Brahman game with a huge result um, at your property on sat on Tuesday. 18,000, uh, 89 bulls sold for 18,550, 56 females, 13,723. What a great result, mate, and you must be really ecstatic. Yeah, good morning, Dolly, and thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it was a, it was a very solid result, Um you know, 100% clearance, a good industry endorsement for, for our program, and particularly the females, the the, um, the Brahmin females in high demand at the moment. There's you know there's quite a few in the marketplace, and they're all finding a home, and it's um, and they're they're reaching pretty high values. So um, there's, a, there's a lot of value in, in Brahmin females currently. The bull market can be you know just a little bit soft um, in comparison to some other breeds, but I think that's in trend with um, with where we're at in the, the cycle of the industry at the moment. A bit of movement away towards um, you know flatback type cattle, and and that's understandable with the, the current um, the current market. So for where we are at the moment in the mar- in the market, the, um, the yeah we're we're pretty pretty excited about the results. There's always a way, and, and, and you're very subjective when you look at this and, and you actually think about it a lot. You know, where you're going with your stud and with this amazing event you're holding in the next couple of years and what you're doing for the Brahmin breed, there might be some trends, but the consistency of your clientele and the new buyers and and I suppose the results that the the commercial cattle are getting by your by your size, that must bode well for you that you know that you're on the right track. Yeah, Ben. Um, you know, I guess we're only human like everyone else, and um, you know, there sure. is a few trends emerging in the market at the moment. Uh, one is a, um, the push for pole cattle, and um, you know, I'm certainly venturing down that track. But um, uh, as I said to you off air. Breeding cattle is a is a slow process, and uh, although the market is, is very strong for them at the moment, 
I'm, I'm tending to, to take a little more disciplined approach in, in um, waiting for the right animals to come along to introduce that gene into my into my program. You know, single trait selection can be quite difficult. So uh, there's a lot of traits in that I've worked very hard for in, in, in my herd. So I'm just being a little patient and um, the poll um, gene Pole demand is only going to get stronger as time goes by. So, but I'm, I'm just taking a quite a disciplined approach. And, and as I said, the, the generational breeding of cattle is, it takes time. So um, I just have to be a little patient, and and um, and we'll get there in the end. Twenty five years ago, mate, you wouldn't buy a pole bull. I'm being this I, me as a, a commercial cattleman because you were worried that not that that their genetics were inferior and they wouldn't grow out. And I and I mean that. Now the world's changed considerably, and I'm just talking to you from a commercial cattle perspective. You understand it, the, the animal welfare and all these animal libs, and, and there is a push from outside the industry. The dehorners are a thing of the past, but for whatever reason. But we get paid on weight. And talking to some really good judges in the Central the other day, um, they said to me, because we, we were having this conversation, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, traditionally the pole bulls were lighter. So why would we be, unless we can get it right, why would we be going and putting pole bulls into herds, which we get paid on weight? We actually get yeah. paid on weight. That's the that's the thing that we all forget. And a lot of people out there today, they'll be having young men and women on a cradle with a set of dehorners. And if it's done right, and I understand the political landscape around it, but we get paid on weight. And at this moment, the horn cattle in every breed it just is that the weight pays. So are there the genetics yep. at the moment for those pole bulls? Like obviously you're going to have to steer that way at some point, but are, are they out there or is that very hard to find at the moment? I think there are talents in most breeds. Um, yep. You know, I've got friends in you know, other breeds uh, of all, all shapes and sizes of, you know, syndicate-based breeds and, and um, British European-based breeds. And they are a challenge and, uh, but I think, you know, like anything, when you can, you know, look at the Brahmin breed and, and a lot of the Bosinigus breeds, where they were with muscle 10 years ago versus where they are today, you know, they've made a huge improvement. You know, muscle areas and that that you see on Brahmin, Brahmin cattle uh, can compete with European cattle these days. So it's a process. So I guess that uh, at this point, I don't feel that the numbers of old cattle out there of the, of the suitable quality are there. Yeah. You know, we as breeders need to work on that, and I think it just takes time. It's probably just not as quick as some people would like to see it happen, but, um, you know, breeding does take time. So over over the next generations of breeding cattle, I think we will get them better, and, and uh, there will be some competitive cattle out there in the pole marketplace. It's just uh, people perhaps maybe a little uh, a little impatient and, and, um, and sacrificing quite a few of the other traits to achieve that, that pole outcome, but... Uh, as I said, you know, there's, there's positives in it, and, and when, when people, when a group of people concentrate on something enough and um, are measured and disciplined about it, then improvements will will come. Yeah, no doubt about it. Now, um, the Cipher family um, from Alpha, gee whiz, they were big and they were strong at your sale. A lot of people and a lot of regulars were very strong at your sale. No doubt, um, very appreciative of what they've done in supporting your breed. Absolutely, you know the. The Cypher family is a long-established family around uh, out in that Alpha, Alpha district, and you know I've known their family since we were since we were teenagers, and um, they run a great operation, and you know, they back-to-back run of seasons out there, and the country looks fantastic, and um, good herds of cattle. So um, you 
Yeah, well said. Hey, mate, appreciate it. Um, you do a phenomenal job, and it was a great sale. I, I understand where you're at. You're always striving for the best. But 89 bulls averaged 18,550, 56 females that were swidging. Um, they were just absolutely an outstanding line of females. 13,723 for 145 lots to average in excess of $16,686, which is just phenomenal. Uh, appreciate your time this morning, mate, and thanks so much. We'll catch up shortly. Thank you, Gilbert. It's always great to catch up. Good on you. Brett Nobbs from Nobbs Cattle Company. Great sale they had on Tuesday. We'll take a break. Come back with more. Well, that's it from us here on this Friday morning, the 28th of October. Have a great day, Queensland, and a great weekend. Ray Hadley joins you next, but just before I finish today, I just want to uh, wish a best of luck to a young man that's been a part of this show since its inception. Zach Logan, uh, many of you wouldn't know, and if you've listened to our show or spoken, I've talked about Zach. He is the executive producer and the content director of Rural Queensland Today. He's been nominated for an ACRA, which is a radio award, as one of the best producers in Australia. It's in Sydney tomorrow night, and I just want to wish him best of luck. If anybody deserves to win an ACRA, it's Zach Logan. So hopefully, he uh, from Kingaroy to the Big Smoke, he receives that award. But if not, it's a huge honour to be one of three producers in regional Australia to be nominated for what he has done and his contribution to this show. So best of luck. Have a great weekend. Remember, when the weed is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock, and we'll see you on Monday.